0: Oh, mm-hmm. oh, I wanted to tell you guys about my recent obsession with fine jewelry brand Lagos. It was founded 45 years ago by self taught master jeweler Stephen Lagos, and it will become your go to for classic jewelry that you're never gonna wanna take off. I mean, I definitely don't. The brand is known for its iconic caviar beading that's sculptural, wearable, and offered in a variety of materials, colors, and silhouettes, so every woman can express her own personal style. You can find your look at Lagos.com. That's L-A-G-O-S.com. And receive complimentary next day shipping on all orders over $100. If you use the code I'm going to give you right here, that's Love Lagos. So just enter it in at checkout, L-O-V-E, L-A-G-O-S, and you're going to get free complimentary shipping on all orders over $100. Go to Lagos.com. You're going to find something special for yourself right there. And welcome back to In My Heart, a podcast truly about all of the things in my heart and finding our freedoms. I'm your host, Heather Thompson, and I'm thrilled to be back this week with my next guest, Melody Lomboilow. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Melody. While well, she was born and raised in Southern California. She didn't have your classic childhood that we would all think about of a wonderful childhood raised in Southern California. I'm sure there was some wonderful parts, but diagnosed with acute lymphoblastic leukemia at age six is Melody's story, and that's how we're gonna begin. She's been a cancer warrior ever since. She was given a 50% chance of survival rate at her childhood age of six years old. She was treated as the City of Hope, a place special in my heart we'll get to later, but she was treated until the age of nine. Being a survivor at a time when not many survived, Melody set on a course to help newly diagnosed cancer patients. At a young age, she spoke nationally for various cancer charities, including the City of Hope, giving an award for the City of Hope even at a young age, and helping to raise money for cancer research. Well, Melody, in her beautiful years of life, has continued her philanthropic endeavors into adulthood and has authored two books, which we're going to talk about. One is about to launch, and we're really excited about that. She's raised money for various cancer organizations, and she was also a double major in sociology and art history. So, motivated by her cancer experience to live a full life melody stays very active in her community and as a volunteer and i wanted her to have a moment on this podcast because i think there's something to be said about celebrating life and surviving life melody welcome Hi, thank you for having me, Heather. I'm so thrilled to have you. I mean, let's just talk about this because one of the things that I think uh, people don't ever understand, I myself had this experience and I know... Uh, stories of of children with any type of illness, you know, namely childhood cancer, is one of those moments that we all like take a breath when we watch the commercial on television, when we see something for the City of Hope, when we see something for St. Jude's, and we all take pause and we just can't even fathom what that's like for the parent but let alone for the child. So I'm really so interested to take a new perspective because I've always been able to speak a little bit and be an advocate for my child and some of his health struggles. But now as an adult, you can speak a little bit from the child's perspective.
1: Right. Growing up that way, I don't know life without cancer. So, I mean, I don't have very many memories before being diagnosed, Um, but being faced with death at such a young age kind of makes you grow up super fast. And now as a mom, I realize what my mom went through. You know, as a kid, it was just like, you know, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go to the hospital. I'm supposed to take this medication. And if I want to live, I have to have a positive attitude. And um, I had all this, this list of things I needed to do as a kid. It was just go, go, go. And then now as an adult, every time my kids have turned, I have three sons. When they turn six, I've always been afraid like I check their lymph nodes, I'm like really worried about them. So now I realize that cancer really affects the entire family. You know, it was so about me all the time as a kid. But now that I'm a, you know, a parent, I realize it's the siblings are affected, the parents are affected. So um, it it really does um, challenge an entire group of people. So that's what I'm trying to share with people is that, you know, Cancer isn't just about the patient; it's about everybody.
0: It is about everybody, and we can say that with you know pretty much any illness that a family faces. You know, whether it's a child, which I really do want to focus on, obviously, with you today, or whether it's an, another loved one, a family member. Like we all take some sort of hit when it comes to that. But let's really talk about what it's like to be a child, and what it's like to be the parent of a child who is given a potential death sentence versus a potential life sentence, right? It's like, you potentially could be better, but you could maybe not, you know? And, and that was something that I, as a parent, was faced with. And I remember many parents saying to me, you know, oh my God, you're a hero, how did you do it? And I said, whoa, I am no hero, I have my kid. Let's talk to the parents who didn't come out on the other side the way I, I did. And I mean, I, and my, my voice quivers just thinking about it. So can we talk a little bit about how it really formed you as an individual to, you know, who, who you became because of those challenges early on in life? We call, I call them, my friend Eric Weinmayer, who's a blind uh, athlete, he calls it the adversity advantage. Right. There is some sort of advantage, I think, that we can cultivate from this type of, you know, uh, survival, if you will, that I want to put on the shelf. And I also want to talk about how do you become that person? Because there has to be pillars of strength in your world that sets you up on a foundation
1: for success. Yes, absolutely. You know, you force to live every day. So it's like I my whole mission is to celebrate life. And it has been that since I was diagnosed. You're a survivor right away. You know, the minute you find out that you have cancer and you're living day to day to day, you're a survivor. My mother and father didn't allow me to be the sick patient. They continued my life. So I stayed on a swim team. And even on days that I was sick, I would go and watch my friends swim, even though I couldn't get into the water and swim with them. So some days I would go to City of Hope, have a bone marrow aspiration, get chemotherapy in my spine, go watch my friends swim. Sometimes the next day, I'd be in a race. So, my parents just really wanted me to have that normal childhood as well as, you know, realizing where my strength was and what I was, what my ability was. So, I'm so happy that they continued that celebration of life. And I was diagnosed in like September and I went into remission in November, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So the Sunday before Thanksgiving has become our celebration of life. And every year we have a gathering of people that supported us and people, you know, just everyone in our lives that had something, people that delivered food to my parents, people that visited me in the hospital. I mean, I had friends that would wrap little gifts for me. And every day that I was in the hospital, I'd have something to open. So we had like a great support team. So those are my pillars. I think my parents and my sister and um, everybody that spent nights in the hospital with me those were the people that really lifted me up and gave me an example of what it's like to live life. And I think that, um, being faced with death so young, I think, I feel like I, like now I'm in my forties. So I have friends that are like, Oh, I'm 40. I'm not putting up with that anymore. I'm not going to have negative people in my life anymore. I never put up with it. I never had that. You know, I don't have time for that because life is too precious so I surround myself with women like you that celebrate life and celebrate other women and lift people up. Um, I don't have time for people that will bring you down at all. It's just, you know, life's too short.
0: Oh, my God. It's just like <laughs> I have a million different like, you know, chills in my veins. On every point that you made, I, I had a chill run through my vein because... You know, we as parents have to set our children up for this world, right? And oftentimes we uh have children that are not set up for the world, and the world is not uh, you know kind. It's it's generally yes, it's kind. I you know, don't anyone get too mad at me. Yes, it's kind on one <laughs> hand, but it it's not really set up for People with, you know, handicap, people with disabilities, you know, obviously we're having a big surge of the importance of the minority discussion in this world, right? So the world is not set up to be a warm, caring, giving place. You know what I mean? We almost have to set ourselves up. For that. So when you have a child um, that's disadvantaged, like what your parents did was, I mean, s- swimming is a hard sport. I mean, you're still swimming to this day. They actually gave you a gift by they had to show up for you you know they had to get you up out of bed when you didn't feel good and they had to say we're going to put on your swimsuit and we're going to go sit uh, sit on the bench if you can't swim today or we're going to put you in the water and you're going to swim today because you're able to and they showed you that life is hard you know and and that it's tough and that you got to be tough sometimes to get through life and that's a lesson that we all have to take with us because every day, whether you have an illness, you're batter, battling any type of challenge, it's hard to get the hell up sometimes. And it's hard to get up just to sit on the bench, right? Because showing up, showing up is 50% of it, right? And then yeah. to actually get in the water and to actually compete swimming while you were going through bone marrow uh, transplants and, and chemotherapy. I mean, what you said at the beginning was, I just didn't know life any other way. And so we look at the challenge and we say, wow, you know, that was their that was just their M.O. That was their existence. That's that's their modus operandi, how they understood how to manage life. What about the days when you felt like you could look to your right or you could look to your left and they didn't have it as hard over there and, you know, they had it a lot easier, in fact, over there? How did that motivate you or or not sometimes as a child?
1: When I was diagnosed, a lot of kids were not surviving. Yeah. So I was already ahead, just surviving the day. Yeah. Just being able to get up and walk around. I had friends that couldn't get out of bed. So I, I always felt like I was a little bit ahead yeah. all the time yeah. because I, you know, I had a little bit more health than some of the other kids around me. But I went to this camp for kids with cancer. There, I saw survivors for the first time. Yeah. So seeing survivors gave me hope. Yeah. So I guess like looking to my right was seeing these people that were 16, 17 years old and had survived the exact same diagnosis that I had. Yes. Having that as an inspiration and seeing them look healthy and having fun. And, you know, the first time I went to camp, I was very sick. I was seven years old. So I was right in the middle of chemotherapy, mm-hmm. barely had any hair, very, very sick. And I got to see kids that were running around and riding horses and playing soccer and, it was almost like I had that goal of being that kid. Yes. You know,
0: people that look like me, you know, it's an effervescent statement that we all must allow to bubble up to the surface because no matter what situation you're in, when you're with people that look like you and people that you can relate to in that community, it's important on every level of our lives. It's important on every single level of our lives. And so what that immediately wants me to transition to is community. And I think it's probably, I'm going to guess, I'm going to speak for you a minute about why you wrote your books, because you wanted to serve that community, people who look like me, people who I can go to and without saying a word, they know, right? Right. So Melody, you've authored actually two books, which is really cool because what I'm thinking is, is like, you weren't even like waiting for the first one to get published. And you're like, I know what the second one has to be. Can you talk to us a little bit about this community that you felt as though you needed
1: to tap into, you needed to show them people who look like me? Absolutely. So the the cancer community is large, but a lot of people don't connect. So I wanted to make some sort of a connection. And basically this book that I've created is what I've been doing my entire life. When I was a survivor at a young age, people would reach out to my family. What did you guys do? What was her treatment? How did it look? You know, who do you recommend? Um, People are always looking for hope and they're always looking for community. So my mom was fielding phone calls left and right after I survived. So we had this big group of people that looked to me for hope. And so I was thinking, you know, what about people that are newly diagnosed and they feel hopeless and i was diagnosed before social media so now people are able to kind of go on to instagram and hashtag cancer survivor and be able to find people and what my hope is that they're able to find my company luna peak foundation which is the nonprofit that we're uh, releasing these books under our community is all cancer survivors that are willing to share their story for newly diagnosed patients to feel good about themselves and to feel like, wow, I can be that person. Beyond remission, words of advice for thriving. My niece and I, we collected people from social media. We collected my friends and family members and anybody that had been touched by cancer and asked them to come out to a studio and help us out. So we just took their photos um, and interviewed them and we took their best quotes. So basically it's a photo of a survivor and their quote of advice. So it's their words of advice for you to thrive through your diagnosis and on your way to survival. So um, that's what Beyond Remission is about, is just creating this community for people that don't have it. So we want to donate these books to hospitals, waiting rooms. You know, you get your diagnosis, you walk out and somebody hands you this book and you get to see 114 survivors in one space and all their wonderful words.
0: That's beautiful. And I, I'm, I'm now really understanding the connection. So not everybody survives cancer. Right. You know, death is something that we do not really talk about as a society, but yet it's the one thing that's for sure. You know how we're going to all right. get there. We don't know, but we all will arrive someday at death's door. So let me talk a little bit about beyond grief. Let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, some people think it's so morbid and don't talk about death and um, they don't know what to say to somebody when they've lost somebody close to them. My niece, Gracelyn Bateman, um, she really has pushed us to do these books. Like she is the driving force, a brilliant young lady. And I I feel like I had to wait for her to grow up in order to share my story. So she's really pushed me. Um, And I was 12 when she was born. So we're almost like sisters more like sisters than um, a niece and aunt team. Her father passed away suddenly and she was living in New York at the time. She's moved back to California to be with the family. It was horrific because he was so young, so healthy. It wasn't expected and it's forced all of us to face death and you know my kids were young when it happened so everybody in our family has kind of like surrounded her and and giving her love and, and trying to help her through it and Beyond Grief helped her through that. So we've interviewed people that have faced life-changing loss. And not everybody has Mm -hmm. faced it. So, um, you know, we talk to people that have lost children, lost parents, lost um, husbands, wives, and they're sharing their story of hope. So when somebody is newly grieving and you don't know what to send them, you can send them this book, you know, because flowers die. And you don't want to send flowers. (laughs) So... You know, so they get to see and it's a quick read like we don't want it to be heavy. We want them to see the eyes of a, of a grief survivor and what helped them through their yeah. darkest days. Yeah, that's uh,
0: it's so beautiful and important and, and so not talked about like you said. I mean, really, what do you say to someone? It's probably, I bet it's probably one of the most Googled things. Like, what do I say to someone when they lost someone they love? It's a very courageous and uh, beautiful thing that you and your niece have done because um, we have to celebrate life, even if it's a short life. You know, there's this beacon of light, right? If we could get spiritual or enlightened just from a universal standpoint, Everything happens for a reason, right? We're supposed to go through struggles for a reason. It's really easy to say. It's really hard when you're on the receiving end of that struggle. I know my son, Jack, sometimes, you know, with all of his challenges, sometimes feels like the world is against him not only did you survive your own challenges in life, but then you went on to have not one, but two children who appeared on the spectrum. And so you've been dealing with um, autism and the big, vast black hole that that potentially is. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, when life doesn't
1: seem so fair. Right, Um, I think because I was a cancer survivor, I don't ever look at it as being unfair. You know, life is what it is. And everybody that you meet has some sort of challenge. If I compared my challenges to other people, I could be like, oh, my cancer was worse than your cancer. There's a hierarchy of cancer patients or, you know, you didn't have three years of chemo. You only had one. And if you start doing that, you start Mm -hmm. getting bitter. And I don't want to be bitter. So it's just I I try to look at it as everybody's um, threshold of what they can handle is what they're given. And I've been given a lot. And I kind of say, you know, I just keep swimming. You know, I keep getting hit with waves, but I just keep swimming through those waves. And luckily, I'm a strong swimmer. So just be strong through whatever is handed to you. Um, So, yeah, I do. I have two children that were diagnosed with autism. I've been fortunate that they are really strong kids and that I'm willing to study and learn how to help them. They are high functioning. They're what used to be called Asperger's, but they got rid yeah. of that title. So they're on this big spectrum of autism. So mostly it's like sensory processing issues, some anxiety and some of the, the social cues that aren't easy for other kids. And I have three sons and it's interesting because my, my middle boy does not have any, um, any autism or any spectrum thing. So he's like right in the middle of my two little bookends. Um, but they're great kids and at first, it was very scary, and it was very hard. And you think, you know, like you with your son, you think it's not fair. Uh, but then I realized, you know, neuronormal kids have yeah. issues too. You know, you have to look at what is what is great about what they have, and what is what uh, strength do they pull from that. And so, you know, my kids have. A lot of intelligence. They're very bright kids, and so even though sounds are louder and smells are louder and tastes are are difficult for them, they don't they don't like textures, but they're bright and they can focus on one thing and be really really good at that one thing. So I try to focus on what is, what are the strengths. So I always try to look for the bright side of things. Um, I'm always try to be positive, and I feel like that's what challenges bring to you and I feel like that's what you yes. have as well.
0: You're right, you you do find really amazing pockets of joy, hope, uh, exhilaration in the upswings, right, in life. You know, the downswings only make the upswings that much more sweet and joyful. And what I like to say um, about some of the children that I know that, you know, appear on the spectrum and to the parents that, um, you know, have those beautiful children is everything's bigger. You know, the noise is bigger, the anxiety is bigger, but the heart's also bigger and the brain's also bigger when it comes to to perception really I love that you said that you know what I mean and when you start to well there's an old adage you throw your problems in a circle and you run home with your own absolutely because you know we all have and so I love that you said like quit looking over your shoulder to to see where you are in the race you know yeah. what I mean and yeah. just be in the race yeah you took your challenges you know, what my friend Eric likes to call the adversity advantage and you rolled it up into a ball and you fucking shot that thing down the bowling alley, you know, and then you knocked all the pins out with it. Absolutely. And that's courage. That's brevity. That's courage. And that's surviving. That is celebrating life and surviving life at the same time, because we're all going to get knocked down. It's just how you get back up. Yes it's heather thompson and as an avid adventurer i need a reliable pair of sunglasses with me a pair that gives me the clearest view possible so i can really take it all in i've had a lot of shades in my life and most of them have not lived up to my standards that was until i found revo they have the best lenses on earth i can always rely on my revo sunglasses for high performance function and style and i don't go anywhere without them from climbing to the peak of Africa's Kilimanjaro, to cruising the Florida coast, to my weekly trips to the farmer's market, you better believe my Revo's are with me. And a fun fact, their lens technology was developed by NASA. And now it's your chance to get a pair of Revo's at my very special discount. Get 25% off your next favorite pair of shades by going to Revo.com, that's R-E-V-O.com, and use the code heart at checkout. Or just click on the link in the show description. Revo sunglasses sweeten any view. So get after it. Have you been thinking about maybe having your own podcast? Well, if you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First and foremost, it's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And then Anchor, they'll distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify and Apple and many more. With Anchor, you can start to make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership as well. It's truly everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R Hey guys, you can take it from me. Getting and staying healthy can be a challenge and falling back into bad habits over and over again can really take its toll. Eating healthy should be easy, affordable, and delicious. However, I recognize as a health coach that most people are confused, overwhelmed, and frustrated. It's one of the reasons why I co-founded Beyond Fresh. Beyond Fresh is a premium line of whole food powders and supplements delivered fresh from the farm to you. Working with organic and responsible farmers, we harvest all of our ingredients at the peak of ripeness, then flash dry them using advanced technologies to capture the complete whole food nutrition. Each of our high-quality blends is virtually identical to the original fruits, vegetables, grasses, and superfoods we harvest from around the world, locking in all of the rich color, aroma, taste, and nutrients with nothing artificial ever let's get you off that diet roller coaster and get you on a sustainable wellness routine that helps you feel your best from our delicious apple cider vinegar to our amazing shake easy to mix powders chews, and gummies it's fresher than fresh And right now, for a limited time only, use the code TREATYOURSELF20 at checkout for a complimentary 20% off and always free shipping on orders over $50. Now's the perfect time for a fresh start with Beyond Fresh. Here's to your good health. Let's get your routine popping and cracking at beyondfresh.com. We're here for you. Now, let's talk a little bit about your husband when it comes to someone who took matters into his own hands and said, I won't do something with that. <laughs> now, you guys fell in love at a very young age. And let's talk about how you empowered uh, his whole career,
1: really. Yeah. You know, Tom and I met when we were lifeguarding. We lived in the same small little town, Sierra Madre, California. Um, It's a little tiny mountain town, but we never knew each other because we went to different schools. So we met at the the pool. It's so funny because it feels like the water's always surrounding my life. (laughs) (laughs) He knew he wanted to be a doctor. He just didn't know what kind of doctor he wanted to be. And for his senior project, he asked if he could follow my doctor around. And Dr. Rosen at City of Hope became a family friend. He became very very close to our family so we asked him for a favor you know can this teenager follow you around for one day and see your patients with you and that made Tom fall in love with oncology when he went on to medical school at UCLA that's what he focused on was um, oncology and he actually wound up doing his fellowship at UCLA and City of Hope so he was walking the same halls that I was treated in it was like I came full circle it was so amazing to see him there and um So anyway, so now he's an oncologist at uh, Torrance Memorial Hunts Cancer Center out here in California. And um, his group is just an amazing group of of men and women that just want to take care of people and just want to help not only they don't want to just help them survive their health. They want to help them survive mentally also and be able to, you know, live a full life and have that positivity. And I, I feel like I inspired that as well.
0: I'm sure that you did because, I, you know, I, I, I mean, I know that you did. I'm certain that you did because, you know, I've had many doctors and experiences with doctors with Jax's, you know, many plethora, you know, of, from his liver transplant at six months old to, you know, ongoing chronic lung disease, blah, 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 hearing loss, psoriasis, allergies, oh. lots of issues. And we've sat in front of many doctors and, you much like you, you know, um, at an early age, I learned that I didn't have to put up with a doctor that I didn't think was the full package for my son. Like, give your, your husband, Tom, some accolades and a pat on his back about being a full, fully integrated doctor, you know, around a doctor that's not only treating the disease, but he's treating the patient The person, Mm -hmm. the family, the parents, like you said, when we started this podcast, we all get hit. We all get banged up when something like this happens in a family. And, you know, I want to take that opportunity to talk a little bit about the City of Hope. So I had the unbelievable pleasure of getting to know the City of Hope through their Spirit of Life Award. I was awarded the Spirit of Life Award by the City of Hope, um, along with Kathy Lee Gifford and Christian Chenoweth. It was a highlight of my life. And why it was the highlight of my life was because I got to raise funds for a hospital and a project that really put the money right in the patient's hands, so to speak.
1: It's a wonderful place. And um, I I was treated, you know, in Duarte, California. I think that's the campus that you got to to tour. And and something they say is if I I can't I don't know exactly the quote, but it's something about like healing the body is not as important as also healing the soul. So it's like a whole a whole environment there. And I actually wound up naming my oldest son after my doctor. So that's how close we were to City of Hope. Um, it, it's a beautiful place. Patients don't have to pay out of pocket if they can't. So that's what um, was so wonderful about what you did, raising funds for that. So there are patients, if they can't pay their copay or they can't pay, City of Hope will still take you. So that's what's wonderful about that hospital. Yeah. When I was young, I was very outspoken and I was willing to share my story. I was willing to talk to anybody. I was that little kid that would like run up to you and talk to you even if you didn't know who I was. So City of Hope took advantage of that personality that I had and um, would fly me out nationally to different places. And I would speak at fundraisers and I would speak at events to raise more money. I was the youngest of five kids and we didn't have a lot of money growing up, so we couldn't give a lot of money to City of Hope, but I could give myself. So I could give my voice. And so that's what we did. And they flew me to, to Vegas, Chicago, like all over the place. And in Chicago is when I gave the Spirit of Life Award out and I was 12. So I got to hand out the award that you received. It's a huge deal. It's a big honor. I don't know if people know, it is only given to the best of the best. So you are incredible. When I read that you received that, I was so excited. I gave it to Arthur Blank, who is one of the founders of Home Depot, amazing. Um, and he gave a lot of money to City of Hope yeah. and um, offered a lot of help. And I just think it's amazing people like you that not only can offer raising money and giving money, but you gave yourself. And, you know, especially giving blood right now is so important. So I'm glad you brought that out because, you know, giving plasma, giving blood, a lot of people aren't doing it right now. And it's needed more than ever. And cancer patients still need it. Yes. You know, even though COVID's happening, They still need their transplants. They still need um, donors. That's of everything, okay. so thank you for doing that. I'm not allowed to, unfortunately. That's I okay. Tried. We
0: got your back. We got your back. <laughs> okay. You can't do it all, girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I think you make a good point. My my mother went through breast cancer treatment uh, during COVID. Um, you know, while the world seems uh, to be on pause, ultimately, people dealing with cancer and illnesses and autism and things like that, they're not on pause. Their lives still are going on. So. You know, now is a time to really maybe take some extra time because one of the things that that you said was, you know, giving of yourself. And I have a lot of people that say to me all the time, like, I really don't know how to get involved. You know, I don't have any money to give. I'm barely surviving on my own. And really giving of your own, you know, flesh and blood, your own time, these are things that we really can do. And so please don't forget about the American Red Cross. Don't forget about, you know, your blood drives and plasma drives that are, are needed. And you're just sometimes your hands, two hands are needed to cook food. My husband has a food kitchen. You know, we've cooked food for the homebound from years. I really shouldn't say we, he really has done it. So there's always a way to to give back uh, and it's not always financial. Now, let's talk a little bit about healing the soul, you know, as a segue from the City of Hope, because giving back is always a good way to do that. But I find I heal my soul every time I step off into the mountains. I'm a high altitude climber. I've done a lot of adventures in the mountains, and I really find that nature is, in, in fact, nurture. So you named your organization Luna Peak. Can we talk a little bit about why you arrived at that name and how we can heal the soul through some of what you've learned from, you know, those before you?
1: Yes. Well, Luna Peak, so it's my niece and I, Gracelyn and I, and Luna It was kind of, you know, a woman-owned business. Mm-hmm. It's it's because we wanted to to elevate female-owned companies, and we want people to know that we are women that are smart and strong and running this company. Yes. So that's where Luna comes from. Peak is just like women reaching their heights and survivors reaching their peak and, and everybody finding a goal to reach and, and getting there. Our family is very outdoorsy. And my niece's dad, Chris, he passed away. He's, he's the inspiration behind Beyond Grief. I was in their wedding, my sister and, and his wedding when I was two. So this is my brother. Like I've yes. grown up with him. Yes. So losing him was, was horrific. But he was a mountain man. So he would climb Mount Baldy, Mount Whitney. Um, they have a place in Mammoth. So they're always, you know, climbing mountains. And so my niece, to honor him, climbed Kilimanjaro after he passed. I feel like we're just, we're always to the mountains, water and mountains. There are two like happy places. And growing up in a little mountain town as well, we're constantly outdoors. So that's where Luna Peak came from.
0: You're a true example of that. And I think when you do overcome those sorts of things, there's a joy in life that you can find a peacefulness that you can find and know that it's out there, I think is the message because yeah, you went through your ebbs and flows, but at a very young age, you, you garnered this wisdom that's taken people a lifetime to try to figure out how to, you know, exit toxic people from their life or how to say no, the power of no, not only, you know, yes and understanding that each second is yours to live and your choice to do with it, what you want. It's a really perfect segue to talk a little bit about finding your freedoms. It's something that I talk about in my podcast and, you know, it can mean something different to each person and it can mean something different for you today than it does tomorrow. But can you give us a little inspiration
1: on how you find your freedom? Oh, gosh, finding my freedom. Definitely just um, going back to only surrounding myself with wonderful people like that. Really? I, I draw the line. If somebody starts talking bad about somebody else in front of me, I don't need to hear it. And I'll tell them like, okay, that's, you know, that's your opinion, but you know, let's talk about what our kids did yesterday instead, or let's not whisper in the corner. Let's, you know, if you're some, if you have something to say to me, say it to me, don't say it to somebody else about me. So, you know, so I think it's really just staying happy with, with what I have around me and being happy in that moment. And and not every moment is perfect. Mm -hmm. You know, of course we're going to have ups and downs, Mm -hmm. but I always do try to find the best in every situation. So like, for example, right now, a lot of people are freaking out about their kids going back to school. What are you going to do? How are we going to do this? And I'm trying to tell people, the kids are going to be fine. No matter what you choose, we're going to be fine. I barely went to school for three years being sick as a kid. And I I turned out fine. I went to college, you know, I swam in college. I had two majors like your, your kids are going to be okay. One year off, we're going to be fine. So I always try to, to find that attitude. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's not easy. You know, like with my first son's diagnosis, I had, you know, nights where I was crying at 1 a.m. researching everything all night. And I'm sure you had similar with Jax where you're just like in this mode. Yeah. But then I try, to, I try to rewind in my mind. So that's why I find my freedom is always trying to find the best of every situation, even crappy situations, yes. just find the best.
0: It's all going to be okay it really is all going to be okay what's meant to be will be and we're all going to be okay in the end and those are probably um, some of the most important and simplest words that we can you know end on and hang on Melody founder of Luna Peak Foundation survivor, inspiration mom, powerhouse I'm so thrilled to have had you on to speak can you just tell us where our guests can find you
1: Yes. On Instagram, we're uh, Luna Peak Foundation, um, all, all together. And then our website is uh, lunapeakfoundation.org. Amazing. So keep
0: looking for the books. These are ways to uh, cope and find hope, really, in both ways. Thank you so much to my guest, Melody lomboy Low. Please don't forget to subscribe, share, rate, and review my podcast. And I'll see you again next week. It's Heather Thompson.
1: Thanks.